So how was your diet this past week? How was your diet this past week? So, so here's what I'd like you to do. Turn to somebody on your left or on your right or front, in front of you or behind you and, and tell them about a food that you ate this week that left you wanting more of it, but you didn't get more, but it, it was, you loved it, you ate it, and it was awesome, and it just left you wanting more. So go ahead, share. You got 10 seconds. Move. Go, go, go. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. So uh, mine was last night because that's what I remember. Uh, and uh, my wife made homemade pizza rolls. Uh, and they were awesome. They were from scratch. And uh, I'm, I'm just so thankful for my wife. Uh, she, made, she made these. And then she instructed each of us that we could have three or four. Um, Y'all, I had, I had five. I have five, and uh, I didn't tell her that I have five, but she counted the pan, and she realized that I have five. And uh, I went to bed, though, before she could go to bed, so she couldn't talk to me about it until today. And, and that was during first service. So anyway, you can see we had a little squabble on, on during first service, and so you want to watch first service, you can. Just kidding, we did not. Um, but I have five, and they're amazing, they're incredible, and I want more. And I'm glad that there's some leftovers there at home, and I'm going to have some more. Uh, hopefully for lunch, if my boys haven't raided the fridge already, which is not likely, or is very likely. Uh, but they were, they were amazing, incredible. I wanted more of them. So, so obviously, we're not here to talk about our, our physical diet. We talked last week about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And the question that I want to, again, just ask this is, how, how was your soul's diet this past week? You know, we talked about, about seeking the Lord, about hungering after the Lord, about getting into his word, about being in prayer, about memorizing scripture, about doing all these things, not just one time a week at church, but, and not just one time in our life, but, but every day, every moment of the day, seeking the Lord and his righteousness, and specifically doing that, yes, in the morning, and in the evening, we talked about our first five things that we do in the morning and our last five things that we do in the, in the evening. And I wonder how many of you all took this and put it in a box or in a drawer and whatever. You don't need to raise your hand, but many of you, I have many people telling me, you know what, I did that all this week and, and it has made a difference in my life because the first thing I'm doing is not waking up and looking at the news or looking at my email or looking at my text. The first thing I'm doing is getting into the Word of God or on my knees in prayer, and it made a massive difference in my life. And, and I wonder in the first five, did this get X'd out of your first five? Or in the last five, did it get taken away from your last five? And as you went to bed and you fell asleep, you weren't watching something on your phone. You weren't looking at texts. You weren't reading emails. You were thinking about and focusing on the righteousness of God. How is your spiritual diet? How is your soul's diet this past week? Because as we understand, every single one of us is hungering for something. That's the question we ask for. What are you hungry for? Every one of us is hungering for something. Every one of us is thirsty for something. And the reality is, is that there is one who can satisfy you. There is one who can fill you, and his name is Jesus. Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. That's you and I. 
He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Remember, we talked about righteousness is actually right withness, and it's being right with God. Not rightness, you can't leave off the E-O-U-S, you've got to have that in there. Right withness, are we right with God? And if we're right with God, the thing is, is you cannot be wrong with other people and right with God. You have to have your relationships in order, and as far be it as you, live at peace with everyone. That does not mean that when, I, when I'm talking about being right with other people, I'm not talking about what they're doing to you. You can't control that. And the, and the sooner that you realize you can't control that, the better off you're going to be. You cannot control what other people do. But what you can control is what you do. And so are you living right with other people? Because if you're not living right with other people, then you are not living right with God. And righteousness is being right with God, but it also means being right with people. And it's demonstrated that's demonstrated through how we act, how we react, what we say. And, that, and that's why the Bible is very clear about the, the overflow of our soul and the importance of, of us focusing on our soul. Matthew 12, verse 34, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your soul, out of the overflow of your soul, your life speaks. Your mouth speaks. The words coming out of your mouth, the actions of your life are an overflow of your soul. And so what are you hungry for? And, and is it, and, and is what you're hungry for, how is that impacting not just you, but how is that impacting others around you? Because the truth is, is that whatever it is that you're hungering for, whatever it is that you're thirsting for, whatever it is you're trying to fill your life up with is not just going to impact you. It is going to impact other people around you. You think about it. I mean, if you're an angry person, it doesn't just affect you. It affects people around you. The Bible talks about a root of bitterness. That, that is an angry person. And that says, the Bible makes it very clear, that root of bitterness will affect everyone around you. That's just one example. So, so what are we hungering for? What are we longing for? What are we striving for? And again, as we look at these Beatitudes, and you turn to Matthew chapter 5, because that's where these are found. And if you've been here for a number of weeks, you know we've been in Matthew chapter 5 for a while. So go ahead and turn there, Matthew chapter 5. We're again looking at the Beatitudes. These are what Jesus is teaching his disciples, these apostles, those that are following him. Their kingdom values, the kingdom of God's values, and the values are twofold. They are God-centered and they are other-centered, just like, just like the commandments. Just like when Jesus asked, what's, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. They are God-focused, but they are also others-focused. Why? Because the two go together like a hand and a glove. And, and so as we're growing in our relationship with him, as we're, as we're uh, feeding our soul and, and really turning our soul over to God and saying, God, have control of my soul, of my life, it will come out in the way you treat other people. 
So ultimately, this question, this big question is, do people in my life hear and see Jesus? You are a living, breathing example of Jesus to everyone you come in contact with. The Bible makes it clear. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will be my witnesses. Now, now here's the thing. Are we a true witness of Christ or are we a false witness of Christ? Really depends on how we're acting in the moment. How we're acting in, in, in the relationship and in, in any given moment. But are we striving to try to resemble Jesus in what we say and in what we do? Are people hearing and seeing Jesus in you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Kind of turn the corner. Here we go from soul-focused to others-focused. But don't, don't squeeze this all into a box and say these are two separate things. No, no, these are a hand and glove. They go right together. As you're loving other people, as you're caring about other people, you are growing in your relationship with God. As you're growing in your relationship with God, you are caring and you are loving other people. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Have you heard of the golden rule? You heard of the golden rule? How many of you have ever heard of the golden rule? He who has the gold makes the rules. I'm just kidding. That's not it. That's that's not it. Sorry. That's not it. The golden rule, what is it? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do you know what? That, that comes from and originates in the Word of God. All the way back in the Old Testament, over and over, as God is laying out things for the people of God, he is talking about this very rule over and over again. Jesus, Jesus requotes it again, and I love it, in Luke chapter 6, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Luke chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus says it. Before it was ever called the golden rule, by the way. Why? Because think about mercy. What, what is mercy? A lot of times we get mercy mixed up with grace. Now, they're very, very similar and, and have a lot of similarities, and they both come from God, no doubt. But grace, grace is, is this. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, kind of like a gift. Somebody gives you a gift just because. That's grace. What is mercy? We're talking about mercy, so blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. It's not getting what you do deserve. Think, think about in, in your life. Has there ever been a time where maybe you owed someone money, but they decided to cancel your debt. That's mercy. Maybe you hurt someone you love, but they gave you another chance. That's mercy. Maybe you made a massive mistake, but you received forgiveness instead of punishment. That is mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. It's not simply feeling sorry for somebody in, in, in their trouble. Sometimes we, we think of mercy as just having pity on somebody because 
oh, look at their situation. I feel so bad for them. That sounded super sarcastic, and it was. Um, it's not just that. Actually, if you look at the, the original language of, uh, in Hebrew of the word mercy, it has this idea of getting right inside another person until you can see things with their eyes, think things with their mind, and feel things with their feelings. It is much more than an emotional wave of pity. It demands a deliberate effort of the mind and of the will, and it, is a, it denotes sympathy, which is not just from the outside, but is shown, shown from the inside. The amount of, of, again, blessed are those who are merciful. Being merciful is something that comes from your soul, comes from who you are on the inside. And it's deliberate. It's intentional. It's an identification with other people until we see things the way they see them and feel things the way they feel them. See, here's the thing that we, we, got, we have got to grasp. We have got to grasp this. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. You're at work, and somebody is ornery. They're just an ornery angry individual all the time. There is something in their story that has caused that in their life. So somebody, somebody is, 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 you see them crying, weeping, whatever. There, there's a story in that. And everybody has a story. Everybody has something that has happened in their life that is, is, is fueling whatever it is that's going on in their life. Everybody has a story. And the beauty of the God that we serve is, is that we have a Savior who is able to get into our story and see things through our eyes and feel things through our feelings and know things through our mind. Why? Because he is God in flesh. Jesus came and he was a master of of this, of hearing someone's story and then connecting their story to the truth of who God is and how God sees them and what God feels and what God thinks about them, and he's a master of that. And in Luke chapter 10, I'm, you're going to see something on the screen that says turn to it. If you want to, you can turn to it. That's fine. Um, but I, I just want you to see in Luke chapter 10, many of you know this story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus is asked, Who's, what's the great commandment? And he says, love, you know, love God, love people. And then he's asked, who's my neighbor? And, and this, this person is trying to trap him. And Jesus tells the story of a man who is beaten almost to death. He's robbed of everything he's had, and he's left on the side of the road to die. Three individuals come by. Two should have known to go to the man and help him, but they chose rightness instead of righteousness, and they walked on by. If you read the account, the Bible says that they saw the man. They saw him, and they just kept on walking. That is not mercy. There's nothing merciful about what those two individuals did. And this man who was on the ground... Was, was a man who was a, a enemy to the third individual. An enemy to the third individual. 
someone that the third individual would have and should have because of, of what, was, what had happened in their story should have treated this man with contempt, with, with, with I'm not even going to think about helping him. But instead, this man goes over to his enemy and he helps him and he helps him to the point that he is restored physically. And then Jesus is talking to this man in verse 36, and he says, which of these three do you think proved to be neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And get what the man's answer is, verse 37. He said, the one who showed him mercy. The one who gave him what he did not deserve. The one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do the same thing. You go and do likewise. Can, can I ask you a question? Which of the individuals in, this, in that story would you be on a normal basis? You see someone is in need. You see someone that is hurting. You see someone that is, is going through struggle. You see someone that is, is wh whatever it is that they're going through, are you going to pass them by or are you going to step into their story and make a difference in their life? Which one are you? Question, which one is Jesus? Which one of those is Jesus? I'll tell you what. Here's what I think. The Samaritan is Jesus. The Samaritan is Jesus. The, one, the third one who was an enemy of the individual who was on the ground, that's Jesus. Why? Because, think about this. You and I, before we come to Christ, what are we called of God? Enemies of God. Why are we enemies of God? We're enemies of God because we are lost in our sin. We're lost in, 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 in our own sin, in our own muck and mire. And Jesus, instead of passing us by, Jesus laid down his life and died for me, even though he could see me through time and eternity and all the decisions that I would make that would be defiling God. He decided in his great love to lay down his life for me and die for me so that I can have forgiveness of sin, so that I can have life with him him for all of eternity. Jesus is the good Samaritan and God's call and God's design on our lives as followers of him is to be the good Samaritan in other people's lives. And we cannot do that if we're not merciful. If we're not willing to display mercy, give to others what they do not deserve. Jesus gave to us what we do not deserve. We need to think about that. We need to remember that. I mean, when you see yourself in this story, are, are you merciful or are you arrogant and hard-hearted towards someone who's broken? Am I gentle or am I hard-nosed toward those who are downtrodden? Am I helpful or am I callous toward the follower of Jesus who's struggling? Am I compassionate or impatient with those who don't know Christ? We need to remember what God has done for us. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. I, I love, love this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We need to remember the mercy that God has shown us. And we need to remember, we need to ask ourselves, what would my life be if I, where would I, where would I be if I did not ever know Jesus? If Jesus never entered into my story, if Jesus never transformed my life, where would I be today? What would I be doing today? Where would my life be if I never knew Christ? And some of you, you young people, some of you that have, have, have had your faith in Christ ever since you were little, and you're like going, I don't know. Listen, just look out in our world today. You look out in our world today, and there are people all around us that are living their lives apart from Christ, and, and they are floundering, and they are wandering, and they are, they are confused, and they are messed up, and they, they don't know where to turn, and they don't know what's true, and they don't know what's wrong, and they don't know what's right, and they, and they don't know where to go. That's the people that we are called to go to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to, and you and I are called to go and be Jesus to them. We need to remember what God has done for us. Why? Because you and I, we deserve death for our sins. But because God is rich in mercy, he gives us life. You and I, we deserve punishment, but he gives us forgiveness. We deserve dishonor, but he gives us honor. We deserve frustration, but he gives us kindness. We deserve shame, but he gives us grace. We deserve the consequences of our actions, but he allows us to live under the consequences of Jesus' actions on our behalf. And the beauty of this verse in chapter 5, verse 7 Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Here's what we need to understand. Mercy is a cycle. You've heard the saying, what goes around comes around. Mercy is a cycle. The more we grasp God's mercy, the more you show mercy. The more you show mercy, the more mercy is shown to you. You can show mercy because we have been given so much mercy. From God. Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us. And that while we are still sinners. Christ died for us. There is not a single person in this building. Or listening online. That deserves that. But aren't you glad God is rich in mercy. Where would I be without Jesus? What life would I be living right now apart from Jesus if I never met Jesus? If he never intersected my story, entered into my story? I know I would not be here. No way. No way. You had told me that I'd be a pastor in a church, I would have cussed you out in a minute, in a heartbeat. I'm not, I'm not even joking. I would have cussed you up one side and down the other and told you you were absolutely nuts. No way. 
where would you be? What would you, how would your life be different if you never know Jesus? And yet, we live in a world where people have no idea who Jesus is. No idea. I was just talking to somebody here at the church, and they were talking to somebody that, that's from our community who's never, never been to a church, ever. And they're like, I don't even know who this, who is Jesus? I don't even know who that is. Tell me a little about him. That's right here in our community. You think that, that you would be like, oh, I think you know, everybody in America knows everything about Jesus and God. No, they don't. They don't have a clue. For generations in this family, they've never gone to church. They've never talked about the word of God. They've never talked about Jesus. Everywhere we go is a mission field, and people are just trying to navigate this life, and they're trying to navigate it apart from Jesus. And they can't make sense of what's wrong or what's right or what's up or what's down, and they're just trying to navigate life. And we have the audacity to point at them and say, you're so messed up, you'll never make it. That, where's the mercy in that? We, we have churches that, that their mantra is, is, is completely contrary to the word of God. And it's a wonder why people are messed up in our society. Are you kidding me? We as followers of Jesus are messed up. But we expect the world to be righteous and holy and moral. Oh, my word. I don't have time. Don't even get me started. Seriously, that, that's so messed up in our thinking. Have we lost sight of what God has done in our life? Have we lost sight that God in his great mercy intersected and inserted himself into our story and transforms our lives? And yet we live among all kinds of people that have no idea who Jesus is and especially don't understand his love. And they look at the church and oftentimes what they see is a, point, a finger pointing at them, shaking like this instead of, come here, let me love you. Let me just throw my arms around you and love you. When, when are we going to get it through our thick skulls that, that we need to love people regardless instead of trying to figure out whether or not they're worthy of it? That's so messed up. And, I, and, I, and I'm sick and tired of, of, of individuals who get up and talk about the love of God and talk about this and talk about that. And again, I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody because I know that I struggle with mercy, especially when I'm driving. Y'all, I've told you that about 100 times. So I need to work on it. I'm not there yet. I've not arrived, and I won't. But am I willing to admit it? See, see that's, that's the thing. Poor in spirit, a mourner, the meek, the hungry and thirsty, they're the merciful. Why? Because they understand and acknowledge to others that they're sinners. And to be merciful is to have compassion on others because they're sinners too. Final question, I close. Do people in my life hear and see Jesus? Would you close your eyes, bow your head? Those of you that are being baptized today, if you would, go ahead and come. Everybody's eyes are closed, heads are bowed.
I want you to think about that question. Do people hear and see Jesus in me? Ladies, you're going to go off to the right door over here, guys, on the left. In just a few, just a minute, you're going to hear the testimonies of three individuals that we're baptizing today. We baptized two in the first service and three in this service. And each of them is going to share a snippet, a snapshot of their story. And the beauty is, is that in each one of their stories, Jesus intersected their story and inserted himself into their story. And God is transforming their life. Do people hear and see Jesus in you? I can't answer that for you. But here's what I know is if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, there is no way people are hearing or seeing Jesus. Step one, put your faith and trust in Jesus. I'm not talking about joining a religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about starting a relationship with Jesus. Religion won't save you. A church won't save you. But Jesus will save you. Jesus will transform your life. And when you stand before God someday, and he says, why should I let you in? You're not going to be able to say, well, I was a Christian. I, I went to Harvest Time Bible Church. No, what he's going to want to know is, what did you do with his son, Jesus? I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Listen, if you're here today and you have not done that, do it. Do it right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. If you're here today and, and you're thinking, you know what, this whole thing of mercy, oof. Good thing I wore steel-toed shoes today because, man, my feet hurt. My toes are tingling. I don't know. I, I don't know what God's speaking to you, but you asked God to speak, so he's speaking. Are you willing to listen? God, thank you for this day. Thanks for the opportunity we have to, to grow in you to know you, to love you. I pray that in this moment, you would help us as we listen to these stories, as we see these baptisms, to be reminded of the work you've done in our lives. Help us to be someone that sees and hears Jesus so that others can see and hear Jesus in us. God, you're good. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name.